0: Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Hey, and I'm your host, Dr. Pat Basile. And we've been called the Vibe of Thrive, and that started about two weeks ago. And I think that thing has gone viral. But anyway, we want to welcome you to the show and welcome you from our hearts, from our minds, and from our souls. You know, just when I think my week on radio can't get any better, it does. And tonight's show is a living example of how the law of attraction really works. You know, when you attract all of those juicy things into your life that you really want, guess what? You're going to get lots more. Tonight, I am so totally jazzed because I'm going to be talking with Tim Link, author of Wagging Tails, Every Animal Has a Tail, Conversations with Our Animal Friends. And by the way... We're going to be taking your calls, so you're going to have a, ch- you're going to have a great chance of chatting with Tim yourself. Let me just say a little bit about, uh, Tim and what he's done and what his work is about. First of all, he's the author of this book, Wagging Tows, which is totally fun, and you're going to hear why. But he's more than that. And, you know, we come across folks these days that are doing extraordinary work. And Tim, as the president and CEO of Wagging Tails, is a practicing animal communicator. And so we're going to be talking with him about what that means, what his journey has been like, and how he helps other people make that connection, how he helps other people decipher and disseminate what is going on and how you, too, can pay attention to the gift that he has and perhaps you have. We'll hear from Tim. So he's joining us here tonight for a combination of fabulous conversation, but we're also going to take your calls. And so, Tim, I want to thank you to the show, and welcome, welcome, welcome.
1: Well, thanks very much. It's a pleasure being here tonight.
0: It's great to have you here tonight. So I've got a a first question I want to ask you. I, I mean, did you wake up one day and say, wow, when I kind of grow up, I'm going to be an animal communicator?
1: <laughs> well, I wish it was that easy, and I admit I'll never grow up. How's that? I'm but, totally uh, there no, with you,
0: so we're going to have a great show.
1: Yeah, definitely so. You know, it was, it's was definitely a surprise to me. It's a different, uh, uh, greater than I ever thought, and we're just doing fabulous things with it. So tell
0: us a little bit about what an animal communicator is, because honestly, you know, most of us think we're animal communicators. When we stand up in front of our pet and we say, sit, roll over, speak, we think we're actually doing something that's, you know, of value there. But this is a whole different paradigm.
1: Well, it is. You know, an animal communicator is someone that is able to connect with an animal and communicate with them at a much deeper level than perhaps most people can, or at least how most people are aware that they can. So I'm able to communicate with the animal, receive information back based on the questions I ask them, and the information comes to me in the form of words, colors, pictures, feelings, emotions, all the things that we share as humans, animals share with me. And in return, I can share information and, and, uh, uh, provide them, uh, things that they need to know. That things that I want them to know about me or what I need from them. So they have a better understanding of where I'm coming from. So it really is much deeper and much different than giving, you know, commands and things that through repetition the animal knows what that means. We're talking about actually having a, uh, a live conversation with your animal. In getting information back and, in turn, sharing that and having a a regular conversation.
0: You know, Tim, I I want to acknowledge, you know, not only the work that you do, but also you are out in the media a lot. You've been featured on, what, you know, over a 100 different media sites across the nation, including, you know, some of the top ones that, you know, people know, MSNBC, CBS News, New York Times, L.A. Times. I mean, you're really out there in the world saying, "This is who I am, and this is what I do." And I wanted to ask you: This is obviously an important path you've chosen. Why is this important? What is it about what you do and how you've cultivated your gift that is compelling you to help others?
1: Well, I think it is. In, yeah, I think it is a gift that I've been given. I think everybody is able to connect with their pets at a at a little bit different deeper level than what they do today, but to be able to do it in the fashion that I do it and receive the information that I have and I've been able to help, um, I think is perhaps maybe a little unique, and I do consider it a gift. And I think in life you're given many gifts in many shapes and sizes and forms, and you have to determine what you want to do with that gift. Do you want to ignore it? Do you want to play small with it, or do you want to step up and help and in this case, I think it's something where, you know, I'm here to give the animals a voice, and I'm here to help you build the best relationship and best understanding possible between you and your animals. And if I can do that and I can leave that as my legacy, then I think I've accomplished a lot in this world.
0: And, you know, one of the things that I was really struck by, you know, certainly in in, in looking at the book and, and getting ready for tonight is that, you know, there is this level of connection, and that's really what we're talking about here with your, you know, with your gift and what you do. There's this level of connect connection, and, you know, sometimes I think we have a sense that as pet owners, we should be able to do what you do. And I wanted to ask you that question because I've seen how people respond and how many people so dearly want to be connected with their animals. What is so special about this? What is this connection about?
1: Well, I, I think it's one of those things that I'm, you know, I'm like uh, everyone else who loves animals. Uh-huh. You know, we have that heart connection. They're a huge part of our lives. They're more than just pets. They're actually, you know, members of our family. They just wear little fur suits or scale suits or, you know, whatever your pet <laughs> of choice is. And um, you know, we want them to have the best life possible. So, we deeply want to understand uh, are we doing enough for them? Do they want something different? How are they feeling if there's something wrong, we desperately want to try to figure out what that is and solve those problems because we love our animals and we uh, and they love us in return. so, I think that's what we're we're talking about here, and i 'm like everyone else, you know whether it 's my pets or just animals in general, whether we 're talking about my clients pets or work that I do with uh, zoos and aquariums and and wildlife uh, nature preserves, those type of things, I deeply care for the animals. I want to give them a voice. I want people to uh, understand them and better appreciate them. So if I can do that through this gift, then uh, I, I feel I'm doing some great work.
0: You know, I've often wondered, and I thought about this, Tim, when you came on the show. For those of you just tuning in, I'm so thrilled. Tim Link is my very special guest today. He's also the author of the book, Wagging Tails, uh, and he works with people each and every day to communicate, communicate with our, our animal friends. And so he's here today to talk with us about what this process is like, to talk about his new book. But also we're going to invite you all to call into the show. And as a matter of fact, those of you that do connect with us live on on air and you know want to explore if there is a message for you out there from your animal, we're going to be able to do that. We also have three copies of the book to give away throughout the show. Now for many of you that tune in to this hour of the Dr. Pat show. You you already know the number. For those of you that don't, I'm going to give it to you right now. You can call in at 888 756 888 756 And let's see if I got that number right. I think somebody actually gave me like a wrong number there. But um but that's me I'm so used to transcribing numbers. Yeah, there we go. 888-815-9756. 888-815-9756. You know, let's talk a little bit Tim about communication. I mean, what is it you actually hear?
1: Well, you know, it's it's been real interesting. You know, this uh-huh. gift presented itself about five years ago. So in February 2004, gift presented itself. And when it first started happening, I received a couple of words, a couple of bits of information from the animal, and it was usually in the form of words. And it was usually fairly simple questions I would ask that I'd receive information from. So, you know, like, what's what's the color of your favorite toy? And they'd say, or what is your favorite toy and what's the color? And they'd say orange ball. You know, so very simple things like that, nothing really deep. But over time, it's, it's really grown to the point where I can ask any question and receive information back. They share information and communicate with me in whatever fashion that they feel most comfortable in communicating with. So t- sometimes it's a couple of words, sometimes it's sentences, sometimes it's colors, it's pictures, feelings, emotions. Uh, it's a whole array of, of things that and ways they communicate. So it's just like you and I. We have various ways we communicate, and a lot of it's verbal what we use, but we can also use visualization and, and use uh, uh, feelings and emotions. Well, the animals can do the same thing. So when I ask a question of, of the animal, they're sharing with me as much information as they, as they can in the fashion that they feel most comfortable with, and in the fashion that they think me as a, a mere human could, could possibly understand them.
0: I wanted to ask you this question about, you know, the animals we communicate with. Now, are, are we talking about uh, animals that are still living side by side with us? Or are we talking about animals that, you know, like my dog Travis, that has gone on to a greener dog pasture, so to speak?
1: Well, the work that I do, uh, though a lot of it is with uh, animals that are still living and help solving problems or uh-huh. finding lost animals, I deal a lot also with animals that have transitioned or are in that process of transitioning. Um, and the best way to explain it is, you know, it's if you view everything as energy, I like to talk about energy a lot, and energy flows around us and through us all the time. And when we come into this world, if it's an animal or a human, we select a body to do whatever work and purpose that we're we're meant to do here, and we try to every day to fulfill that purpose and then when we're done, we leave that body, and that energy or however you want to label it, goes back into um the overall energy, whether we call it God energy, universal energy, collective, whatever it may be, so if that energy's still out there in each uh person and each animal has a unique energy signature, then that energy signature stays around. So you know, that's I, a long, long way of getting around to saying, yes, we can talk to animals that have passed on.
0: No, it's, a, it's, actually, a, it's, it's actually a wonderful explanation for this because, you know, I, I know that there are many stories. I know in my own case, you know, when I had Travis for 13 years and it was amazing, you know, here is this beautiful collie that wasn't supposed to live for, you know, past five years. But we never believed that. And, you know, when he made his transition, um, it was really clear that there was something about the energy that didn't go. As a matter of fact, till this day, his energy is still here. And so how do we talk with folks about that energy? Because a lot of people don't know what to do with that. For example, Tim, you know, if someone is feeling an energy of, uh, of, uh, you know, whether it's their dog, their cat, their gerbil, whatever it is, automatically there is almost this sense of they must be in pain, there must be something I should do, we, you know, this must be sad. Can you give us a sense of what these energy are, energies are and how to be with them so that we don't kind of, you know, interpret them to be something they're not?
1: Right. Well, I think the first thing we have to do is recognize that there's energy there. So we have to not doubt ourselves. So, you know, it's not uncommon when when someone passes over, a loved one we'll say, that we still feel their presence around. Or the spot that they used to like to sit in feels all of a sudden warm and crumpled and we, we think that maybe they were there. Or we see a little flash in the corner of our eye and we turn to look and there's nothing there so we just sort of forget about it. Well, that's the same thing we're talking about with animals, When they transition over, especially in the very early days, they will come back and they'll come back to check in to make sure they understand, uh, uh, that you understand what happened and see how you're dealing with it and try the best they can, even though they're not informed, try the best they can to help you through that process. And they will also leave their teachings or their imprints as I call them with the other animals in the household. So if you have other pets, it doesn't even have to be the same you know gender it doesn't have to be the same type of pet so if a dog passes over and you have cats in the house they'll still come back and leave those imprints and those teachings
0: mm-hmm. so it's
1: not uncommon for the animals that were left behind to all of a sudden pick up characteristics that the animal that has passed on uh, used to uh, display uh, ways they used to eat, the way they used to play, uh, barking out the window, uh, you know, those things that this particular animal that's still alive never did, but now all of a sudden inexplicably is doing. So I think the first thing we have to do is recognize that this does happen and honor that energy for coming back and helping us out and visiting with us. So it's not the fact that they're coming back in in pain. It's not the fact that they're sort of stuck in between worlds. That's not the case at all. They've made their transition, and now they're coming back around to, uh, to help out and to check in and make sure everything's okay. And so we just need to honor those energies and, uh, and um, you know, use them for, uh, for helping us out. out.
0: Mm. And, and, and for those of you that would like to call in and connect with your animal uh, friend that may have made or that had made their transition or not, we want to invite you to join the show uh, right now. Eight 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 one five nine seven five six. That's worldwide. Eight 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 one five nine seven five six. We are taking your calls. We're going to connect you with Tim. Tim, I wonder if you would share one of the stories in the book. I mean, I, I first of all, I love these stories in the book. And the book that I'm referring to is the book that Tim Tim Link has authored, "Wagging Tails, Every Animal Has a Tail." Conversation with Our Animal Friends. I was especially struck by Lily, and I wonder if we could share that story because, in one sense, I was really, you know, in awe at you know how different this was, I suppose, and how reluctant Lily was. But if you could share that, I think this would give people a sense of how very special this energy is and how you work with it.
1: Yeah, well, Lily is a. um... Uh, a dog that we had run across that was a um, uh, at my cousin's house. You know, my cousin owns a big farm in Alabama, and Lily is a, a Great Pyrenees. If people are familiar with Great Pyrenees, so it's a big white dog that, that works well on farms and works well out in uh, out in the fields. And Lily had come to his particular horse farm unexpectedly. Uh, he, she didn't really belong to anyone in the neighborhood. It was obviously she'd gone through quite a bit of trauma, gone through possibly some abuse, um, and she was afraid of everything. And my cousin worked with her for many, many weeks, got to the point where he could put a bowl of food down within about five feet of her, but never could touch her, never could pet her. And this took many, many weeks for him and him alone to be able to put this food down. Anyone else that came anywhere close to her, she would take off and, and hide. So he wasn't sure what to do. He wasn't sure and it looked like she'd been, had some, uh, uh, injuries, looked like she'd been matted, looked like she needed some help, but he couldn't get close enough to, uh, to help out. So I had went to the farm, uh, one day and got within probably, I don't know, 10 feet or so of Lily, closer, and just sat down. Okay. So basically we understand you've been through a lot, Lily. And I know it's been tough on you, but what we need from you is to be a you know a big strong dog and to trust us and let us help you because this is going to make you feel better and it's going to make us uh, uh, really happy and we know that you want to make us happy. And um, I connected with her through that out that day, never that uh, actually uh, physically uh, interact with her, but I left the farm that day, that evening. When my cousin went out to put out the food, Lily walked right up to him, and he was able to pet her. He was able to take her inside. He was able to bathe her, groom her. He uh, got her to the point where she was trusting people and found a um, a great Pyrenees rescue organization uh, that came down and uh, picked her up and got her placed in a great forever home. So just by spending some quiet time with her, connecting with her, and being very clear and explaining to her what the situation was, what she needed to do to help us out, and why it was going to be okay. Um, She made a complete turn, and uh, we got her in a great place.
0: Uh, And, you know, I love these stories. I want to make sure everybody out there has the website, because you're going to be able to find out about all of this yourself. If you go to www.wagging-tails.com, that's wagging-tails.com, you'll be able to check out Tim's work and what he's up to and, And take a look at the book and uh, get yourself a copy. You know, one of the questions I've always been intrigued by, Tim, is that, you know, we've all heard the expression, wow, that's like a yapping dog, right? And, yeah, as if the barking is communicating and that's yapping and there's, you know, well, your dog is really talkative. And I think I wanted to ask you this question for clarification. You know, there are some dogs that seem really quiet and subdued, and people would say, you have a really quiet dog, right? And others that have, quote, yapping dogs and say, wow, you have a really, you know, vocal dog. But that's one form of communication. Does how a dog's behavior appear on the surface represent how, to what degree, they are really trying to communicate?
1: Well, I, you know, I don't find that to, I don't find that to be the case uh-huh. as far as if you if you have a yapping dog, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a, a dog that likes to bark a lot. Um, just to be barking, it could mean that they have a job to do. Um, so, for instance, I've got a, I've got Schnauzers, two uh, two beautiful Schnauzers, and one his job is to look out the windows when we're at the kitchen table uh, eating. He needs to look out each of the windows. And this is a self-appointed job. I never appointed this one. <laughs> but he looks out each of the windows, and if there's anything moving, bird, person, it doesn't matter, he barks. Now what we do to get him to stop barking is we we recognize what it is he's barking at, telling, him, good job, thanks for letting us know that there's a, a robin on the fence post. Now I need you to lay down and be a good boy because he's so happy. So once again, going back to saying what it is, what I need you to do, and why it's going to be a good thing. And soon as we do that, he's fine. He's done barking, and everything's perfect. So his barking in this case was to notify us to do the job that he's appointed to himself. Uh, other dogs could be barking as a, um, a stress tr- a stress trigger. You know, something that they feel they like have to bark to re- alleviate stress within themselves. Um, other dogs bark because they have a fear within themselves. So it's sort of like the you know schoolhouse bully. You know, the one that picks on everybody is usually the one that has, uh, you know, the biggest um, uh, concerns and has the biggest deeper emotional challenges. So you really, from barking, you can't necessarily, in my opinion, determine what type of animal is trying to do. You actually have to communicate with them, find out why they're barking, and recognize that and honor what they're trying to tell you.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I, I love what you're talking about. And, you know, I, I can't help but, to, you know, think of you sort of out in the field helping or looking for you're um, looking for a dog, looking for a cat, you know, working with you know, veterinarians. And I wanted to ask you, you know, you are out there communicating a lot. What has been your greatest challenge to date, whether it be in a communication situation or in your career?
1: Well, I think yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges is to getting getting people um calm enough to, and open enough to be able to fully let this um, this process work the way that it should. So the acceptance of it. Now the good thing is we're turning the corner. It's becoming more and more um, people are becoming more and more open and realizing more to the, the world, the more of the universe than what we ever recognized. And we need to be more receptive of it and allow it to do um, do you know allow people and allow uh, this type of work to come through. Mm-hmm. And so we're starting to see that more and more. I start working with more and more veterinarians, especially holistic veterinarians, who have introduced, you know, different uh, modalities into their practice. Um, I see more and more people every day contact me for numerous uh, questions, comments, concerns, you know, different things with their animals. And so we're seeing that open up. Different organizations are contacting me. Uh, you know, when I first started doing you know, domestic animals in rescue organizations, Then it grew to people contacting me about their own pets. And now I work with, uh, you know, uh, aquariums uh, and uh, zoos across the nation. I work with um, various uh, um, uh, rescue organizations, not only in uh, shelters for dogs and cats, but for horses and exotic animals and work with animals in the wild. So it's really starting to grow. But, you know, we're we're still getting there. You know, we need to get there a little quicker. And that's that's the biggest challenge is to, you know, let me, if I can, help you out and help you get uh, a better understanding of uh, what your animals are trying to tell you.
0: You know, have you had, um, well, of course you have. I mean, I can only imagine that some cases are easier than others uh, in, in terms of how you connect with them. You know, what is what was probably your more stressful situation, more stressful case in, in trying to communicate with an animal?
1: Well, I think in the book there's a great story in there about Tawny. Tawny the cat, and that was probably one of the more stressful ones I had because this was very early on when I first made it public that I could do this, uh-huh. and I was going to start to pursue this full time. And Tawny was a little rescue cat that we had at the local humane society. Um, I was later, I later became president of that humane society, and but I started doing a lot of work with that group. And Tawny had been in and out of adoptions for years. Uh, someone would adopt her. A few weeks later, return her. Great cat, there's always the strangest reasons people returned her, but it was never because she wasn't a good cat. Well, Tawny then continued to, to have more and more challenges. She developed a, an eye infection and ended up losing one of her eyes, so she had that ordeal to go with. And so early on in my career, uh, someone had adopted again, had adopted Tawny, and took her home. Uh, it didn't work out, so the gentleman went to return her up to the shelter, reached in the back seat to pull out the pet taxi, did not have the door secure, Tawny takes off. So Tawny, with one eye, never been out in the wild before, was out there. And so I was called in to see if we could find out where Tawny was and get her to come back. And Tawny went through a traumatic situation and actually had been injured while she was out there to the point where she stopped communicating with me. And usually, when they stop communicating with me, it means that they're either in a protection mode, so they're hiding from predators or people, and they don't uh-huh. want to communicate in fear that someone will pick it up. They're injured, so they're sort of separated from they're still connected with their body, but they separate uh, away from their body so they don't let the you know so they can let the body recover or they have transitioned or are in the process of transitioning and so once that connection ended, I had no more information to share and the group um You know They obviously were concerned about Tawny, so they were pressuring me to give them answers. And so I had to finally come to the conclusion that I do believe Tawny had passed. And then many, many, many weeks went by, and the the people at the rescue group believed me but still set out a trap just in case, and lo and behold, Tawny returns. So uh, if you get the book, you'll learn more details about it. I think I gave away the punchline there, but uh, (laughs) the storyline. But it was one of those. Early on, you know, I was still developing this gift. I was still learning how to trust it and trust the information I was receiving. And I also learned a valuable lesson that, you know, I'm just here to be a conduit. I'm here to ask questions of your animal, get those answers back, let you figure out what that means, you know, give you some advice but not make that ultimate decision because you have the connection with the animal. And I return share information back. So I'm really just a conduit. So I have to learn not to be pressured into um, you know, making decisions and, and giving my opinion uh, when I actually should be just communicating what the animal is trying to tell you.
0: What a great story. So, and honestly, the book is filled with stories like this. Tim Link is my very special guest today. We're taking your calls. If you're out there and you want to ask your animal friend a question, this is a wonderful opportunity to do so. We've opened up those phone lines officially, 888 Eight one five nine seven five six. that's toll-free worldwide, 888-815-9756. We're ready to take your calls, we're ready to take your questions, and Tim's ready to connect you. We're going to take a short break right here on the Dr. Pat Show. If you want to find out more about us, go to www.thedrpatshow.com or drpatlive.com. When we come back, we'll be speaking with Tim about whether or not we can connect with our or communicate with our animal friends. And by the way, is there a way to figure out that they're trying to communicate with us? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show, and we are taking- Bellagenza Extraordinary Hair Care provides a complete line of natural, professional products. Your hair is your number one accessory, so make sure you treat it right with the finest blend of natural, food-grade fusion ingredients. Bellagenza provides you with a luxurious experience and high-quality ingredients in a base of aloe and plant juices. Visit Belligenza.com and receive 10% off when you order online. Just enter Dr. Pat, D-R-P-A-T. That's Bellagenza.com, B-E-L-E-G-E-N-Z-A.com.
2: Introducing the featured re-release of Cat James' grassroots best-selling book, The Truth About Beauty, Transform Your Looks and Your Life from the Inside Out. The Truth About Beauty represents the most comprehensively researched and inspiring body and beauty guide to date. It's been called a masterpiece by New York Magazine's two-time nutritionist of the year, Oz Garcia and A Path to Personal Triumph by former Glamour publisher Suzanne Grimes. The re-release edition of this modern health and beauty classic features 40% new material, including James' long-awaited recipes from her acclaimed Total Transformation programs, plus her living formula for freedom from food obsession, state-of-the-art natural skin, supplement, and anti-aging strategies, and a natural product resource guide called Worth Its Weight in Gold by Marie Claire magazine. If you're ready to get serious, get the truth about beauty and transform yourself today. Visit informedbeauty.com. Are you living your life to the max?
3: Is there anything you would like to change about how you feel or what you're experiencing? You can have anything you want. An empowerment psychic, Linda Dickinson, can show you the way. Living your life to the max is more than a catchphrase. It's what we intended when we came into this life. Empowerment Psychic Medium, Linda Dickinson, online at InMyFuture.com. For private sessions, call 800-206-9096. Live your life to the max. Margaret McElroy is an internationally recognized psychic, medium, and gifted spiritual teacher graduating hundreds of students from five continents. A popular magazine and newspaper clairvoyant from nearly a dozen publishing houses, she's authored eight books and hosted syndicated radio shows on over thirty stations around the world. Margaret says there's never been such a thirst for metaphysical knowledge. Check out her website at margaretmcelroy.com. That's margaret m c e l r o y dot com. Can you imagine a world where noodles are calorie free? For centuries, Japanese women have eaten these noodles. Now this Japanese Miracle Noodle is available in the United States at MiracleNoodle.com. As seen on ABC News, this noodle made only of soluble fiber, has zero net carbs and zero calories. Imagine the possibilities. Now you know why it's called Miracle Noodle. Add noodles back into your diet guilt-free at MiracleNoodle.com. noodle.com.
0: everybody welcome back to the dr pat show this is talk radio to thrive by tim link joining me here today we're taking your calls this is a way for you to have tim nominal animal communicator put you in touch with your animal friend whether that be your animal friend that has uh, made his or her transition or you got him sitting right there next to you and we were just talking during the break that we must be in some kind of zone because we are we are wanting to manifest your call 888-815-9756, 888-815-9756, 888-815-9756, 888-815-9756, and we have got Seth waiting to pick the call up. You know, thank you, Tim, for joining us here today. You oh, and my I were both chatting. having me
2: on.
0: Yeah, you and I were both chatting about, you, you know, we do a show like this, and honestly, every time I do this show, I mean, these phones are like crazy off the hook. And tonight we're kind of in a low. I don't think we're having, you know, American Idol on. So it must be some planetary energy or is this conversation too hard to have? Honestly for me, I was very mixed in in doing the show. And I'll tell you why. Because I could sit there and have John Holland show up and have have all of my dead relatives show up behind me, okay? And have that conversation right. with John about them. But the thought of my animal friends, especially my dog Travis, it chokes me up. And I gotta ask you about that. Because a lot of times I think we think, wow, you know, if I think about him and I think about him passing, I get all choked up. Does that mean I need therapy? You know, help, help us, help us understand this. Because I well, think I, at some level it's easier for us to hear from our dead folks than it is to hear from our animal friends that pass.
1: Well, yeah, I think it definitely is. But, you know, our pets are not just pets. For nope. th- those people that have animals in their life, they love those animals. They're, they're just as much part of our life as anyone else in the family unit. And we have that deep connection and unconditional love for them. Uh, I think the second thing is we don't have as much baggage and drama with our pets as we've had with some of our relatives.
0: That's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, the relatives, you know, I've never had my dog stand up and say, what, you left your telecom career to talk to other dogs? What are you thinking, dude? I've never had that one. <laughs> so my relatives, well, maybe, I don't know. But uh yeah, I think that that's a big part of it, you know, and they give us that unconditional love. And I think that the third thing behind it is the fact that we we wish we could communicate with them. We wished it was a you know right. like Doctor Doolittle that we could get, turn to to Travis and say, Hey, buddy, are you feeling okay? And Travis, mm-hmm. in the form of communicating that we're used to, which is verbal, say, No, you know, I've I've got you know I'm not feeling too well, or I don't like that chicken you're giving me, whatever it may be. But we've never had that opportunity like we have with Aunt Fred or Aunt Ethel, or Uncle Fred and Aunt Ethel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, it's true. I mean, but we certainly play up enough guilt about it. You know, when I moved from New Jersey and Seattle, and, you know, my best friend and I were, you know, I had just lost my job. She was pretty much taking me in. And, you know, both of us kind of, you know, got to know this dog, and and on all of a sudden I packed my stuff up, right? And I move out to Seattle, clear across the country and and you know Travis comes with me, so you know the guilt around that it's like, okay, for the next three months, you know this dog is eating steak and and so part of this is how we define ourselves through our animal friends. now, as close as I am to some of my relatives, I don't think I can say that I define myself my relatives. But certainly for the time that he was with me, this beautiful collie that looked like Lassie, there was certainly, certainly this, this defining energy between us. And, and, you know, does that get confusing for dogs when, first of all, we treat them in a way that we think we should treat them? And do they want to be treated more like human beings in the way we communicate?
1: Well, I think they appreciate the opportunity to be able to communicate with them and understand what they're they're going through as well as give them a better perspective of what you want from them. So I definitely think that. I, I think a lot of people, you know, sort of, um, I guess for lack of a better words, bash people that, you know, when you see these dogs and these little teacup chihuahuas and people dress them up in these nice, nice little outfits and they feed them caviar and all this and And people say, wow, you know, you treat that like your little kid instead of, you know, like your, uh, well, perhaps that's going to a little bit of an extreme. Maybe they don't want to be, you know, put on little outfits and and eat caviar. They're doing that to just appease you, to make you happy. But what they really want to do is part of your whole family, and they do want to be treated equally. They want that respect. And to be honest with you, they probably earn that respect every single day, more so than maybe even other people in our lives. And so we have to learn how to communicate with them and honor them and respect them and uh get that open, honest communication flowing through so we can have a great life together.
0: And, and you know, this is really what we want. I mean, there's so much of this. Do you get a lot of cases of people that um, have had their animal, whether their dog, their cat, whatever it is, uh, pass on in, and make their transition and want to call you to find out if, uh, you know, They still love them, you know, especially with situations where, you know, we're putting our pets down, so to speak. You know, there's this idea that if they're out in the wild and they can't function anymore, it's survival of the fittest. If they're with us in our living room and there comes a point where we make a conscious decision that this dog will not live anymore, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes with that. Do people call you in to have you do some sort of intervention for that?
1: Well, absolutely. They call me in to help them get a better understanding of, you know, what is it their pet is going through right now? Are they in pain or are they just are they comfortable? Am I doing enough or not enough? Um, is he ready to go or is he, he wanting to stay a little longer? And if he is ready to pass on, how does he want that uh, to be? Does he want to go on his own accord? Should I assist him? And if I assist him, do I do it at the vet's office or do I do it, you know, at home? Because there's in-home euthanasia services now. Right, I know. Yeah, so, you know, they want to do the best all the way to the very end for their pet, and that's very admirable, and and that's why they call me to help them out, to get a better understanding of what that pet's going through. And, um, you know, us humans, you know, I always tell people uh, animals are just like humans and the fact that you know we're all energy. We all come into a body. We're here to fulfill a mission and a purpose, and then we're here to leave. Um, the challenge with only makes it only thing makes it a little bit different is the fact that animals don't hold on to their past and they don't have egos like humans do. So they don't hang on to their past like a golden egg, and they don't have to worry about where they live. Or what kind of car the, their owners driving, or what schools they're going to, or what will the neighbors think? They don't deal with all that. They just work, live in the moment, work on their mission and purpose, do everything they possibly can, and then they leave this world. Um, and unfortunately, as humans, we we deal with a lot of these ego things. And it's not just egos, as far as you know, being you know the best on my block to keep up with the Joneses. It's even deeper than that. It goes down to the core of you know things like guilt. And worry and shame and those things that we deal with every day that in reality if we just live like our dogs and our cats and our horses, um, we'll probably have a much better life uh, what do you
0: what do you find Tim and, and I want to make sure we let's let's give out your website again uh, for for folks that are listening to the show so you know if you want to find out more about Tim or you want to have Tim come on in and work with you you can you can certainly go to the website which is wagging-tails.com wagging-tails.com and and connect with him. The book, of course, is Wagging Tails, Every Animal Has a Tail. This is like a wonderful book. I love the stories in this book. Uh, You know, I want to ask you a different question, Tim, because this has been on my mind. And as a matter of fact, earlier today, I was supposed to talk with someone that was going to talk about the Michael Vick incident. You know, should Michael Vick sort of be forgiven? And I thought about that a lot today for the interview. And by the way, the guest didn't show up, so I, I didn't know. have that conversation. And so I wanted to bring that conversation forward to you. There are so many right now instances of abuse with animals. I mean, that was organized abuse, but there's right. individual abuse. I mean, we're chaining dogs. We're we're doing unbelievable things to these pets, and. I wanted to ask you, had you ever been involved with either sorting that out or figuring it out, and, you know, what are these animals saying about this level of abuse that they're tolerating?
1: Right. Well, you know, the the Michael Vick case is very close to me, uh, being here in Atlanta. That's right. Mr. Vick, being a former quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons, it it brought... Uh, everything to the forefront down here and, you know, I, I do volunteer a lot of my time with rescue organizations and, uh, and, you know, I've been a big supporter of the Humane Society of the United States and other groups like that and have actually been to, uh, um, organize meetings and, and legislating, me- legislative meetings to get the, uh, local and, uh, state level government to, uh, take a closer look at helping these animals out. So, you know, I, I, the interesting thing about the Michael Vick story is, Though, you know, I totally condemn dog fighting. I totally condemn everything that he was involved in, everything that he did. You have to realize that by him being in such the limelight and this happening, it made, it, it was a huge shift in our waking up to the reality that this is real and this happens in our backyards and we need to do something about it. So the legislative here in Georgia, the state legislators had been ignoring this issue for years. Numerous campaigns were formed to help wake them up, and they didn't even want to touch the subject. But as soon as Michael Vick was found to be involved in fight and later on convicted, uh, it woke the, the legislators up, and they couldn't ignore it anymore, and thus they passed the law here in the state of Georgia that was illegal to be involved in or supporting legalized dogfighting. So we're starting to see that change and as sad as it, as it is, you know, we're, we also see this on like local levels and county levels and just here in the state of Georgia, more and more counties are starting to put together anti-tethering laws and, um, uh, anti-fighting uh, laws outside of dog fighting but other animals fighting, cock fighting, what have you. So they're slowly but surely turning the corner. And I think as a society we're starting to turn a corner enlightened and realized that you know, these animals are, um, are are pure and innocent and we need to treat them with the respect that is due. So for me personally dealing with this, I've dealt with it at a sort of a professional level, working with organizations to help support these causes, but in addition, I've been brought into situations where there has been obvious abuse with the animal. And it's the responses I get from the animals are, are quite varied. Sometimes it's... Um, the fact that they just want to let their owners know that you know the deep pain and and sorrow that they have and and um what they're going through to hopefully change the pattern of the owner of the animal and others have told me to be honest with you that um they understood their mission they understood their purpose when they came here and they knew this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And as cruel, as cruel as this may seem, this is a very valuable lesson in a teaching that they're leaving behind uh, to sort of help us as humans wake up and sort of turn that corner a little bit quicker. Um, all the, All the animals really, whether they come down here and their purpose seems to be just to give love and live a nice long life, or whether it is to be part of a very cruel and inhumane situation, all they truly want to do is teach us and have respect, have a respectable life while they're here. And um, if they've done that, then they feel like they've accomplished quite a bit.
0: You know, and, and this has, I think, been for so many people, the whole Michael Vick story and situation has been really hard. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the kind of thing that, you know, we're talking about is going on in the backyard probably of one of our neighbors, honestly. And sure. And yet, because he is who he is, there was an enormous opportunity to raise the level of awareness of abuse in your line of work uh and this has got to be a dilemma and maybe i'm just maybe i'm just fantasizing about it but you know you're out in the public you run across well, you, you, other people's dogs walk in the street in the store dogs that are in the car cats other pets all over have you ever run into a situation where on a very casual basis You've come across a do a, you know a dog or another pet, and they're crying out for help and it puts you in an awkward position, I would imagine about what to do, especially if perhaps that dog you you know's owner is a friend of yours. Have you ever had that situation
1: well you know I have had that situation uh, up here, and I try to uh, in the best way I knew how to help the animal and awaken the person that there is a challenge. And if they're open and receptive to it, they they receive that information and do something about it. And others choose not to do anything about it. And then, you know, at that point you sort of, for good or bad, you have to let the authorities deal with it. You have to let them handle it because there's legalities behind it, unfortunately. And, um, you know, if I was to do something rash to help one animal, then I would be... Hurting hundreds of other ones that I help every day. Um, so you know it, it's a fine line you have to to walk. But, you know the interesting thing I find out is that as much as we hear about the the abuse and all the terrible things going on with the animals, there are still you know hundreds and thousands of animals living great lives and fulfilling their purposes and and doing what they're supposed to be doing uh and getting their things to do while they're here. And so, though the abuse cases come to the, to the limelight, perhaps it's not as, uh, for those situations it's critical, but as a whole, as a collective, the animals are be- becoming, uh, being able to do their work and doing what they need to do here. And uh, that's what I try to, try to help out with and deal with every day.
0: And that is what you do. Uh, you know, how often do you get called, uh, Tim? How often do you get called in for rescue work? I know, that i uh, I mean you know I had a moment with Travis where all of a sudden he was gone, and uh and and it's like, oh my gosh, what do you do? Where did they go? Uh, I know this happens with cats quite a bit, but you know, and I know you do get called in. you shared that story. Um, what is the process like when you do get called in? you know how do you get in touch with either where that animal is or? Um, if if anything, you know, them trying to reach out to you or not. I mean, I can imagine that there'd be some animals, some, you know, cat or dog that is thrilled to be leaving the household.
1: <laughs> right. Well, you know, I deal with a lot of lost or missing pets. Um, you know, just la- last night alone, we had five cases, um, one cat, four dogs from different parts of the United States, all, all over the United States. So I do get people that contact me. And the way I connect with them is the way I connect with any of the animals. You know, 90% of my consultations are done over the phone, so I don't have to be there in person. All I ask for is a picture of the pet and the name of the pet for normal consultations. Uh, for lost animal consultations, I need the location where it was last found or last spotted because I use that to do a technique called map dowsing. So whenever I get a call about a lost pet, um, I will set up the consultation. I'll get as much information as I can, definitely get the, the picture and the name and the location where they were last seen. I connect with them. They share with me information about, first of all, why did they leave? Was it on their own accord or were they taken? Were they chased by a predator and can't get back? Or have they chosen not to be there? If they choose not to be there, it doesn't necessarily mean it was a bad environment for them. It could have been that they had fulfilled their purpose for being there and now are ready to move on to another household to fulfill that same purpose. So if they were there to help that family or that person get through a tough time in their life, maybe go through a divorce or go through a uh, a sick illness or something of that sort and the person's back on their feet again, animals will move on and go to someone that needs that same kind of help. So we try to identify what that situation is, and then if it is a situation where they're just lost or missing and they, they want to come back, then we work on methods to help them return back to the house or stay where they're at and help you identify where their location is. And that's where the map dowsing comes in, where I use a pendulum and use a map and connect with that energy and um, do a method called dowsing, so it's similar to dowsing for, for water or oil for a well, those type of things. And I use a map and the, the pendulum to do that, and we narrow down the area to as close as we possibly can and see if we can locate the animal. So there's and, a wonderful story. Uh, if if yeah, you've got a thing i I'll tell you the story. Real yeah. cool story. So I get a call from a lady who has a um, a great name. Great-name boxer mix, actually. And they had a big fenced-in backyard, and the workers were coming in to do some repair work on the roof, left the gate open, and the dog takes off. And for three weeks, the dog's out there. And they contact me within a couple of days, because it's very important to get a hold of me as early as possible, because your animal's mindset is still possibly interested in returning, compared to if it's been out there for quite some time, They it's... I can still communicate with them, but it's a little bit more difficult because they're worrying about their survival out in the wild, you know, getting food, water, shelter, etc. So I get contact within a few days from this lady. She sends me all the information, and we start connecting with the animal. And the animal starts sharing with me the fact that, yes, they thought it would be interesting to take off, but now they can't quite figure out how to get back, and started sharing with me what they were going through and the pictures that they were showing me. So he showed me that... He went through a small wooded area across a small creek that had very little water in it over to a subdivision. The subdivision had a white house with a a porch on it. There's a little old lady that comes out every morning and feeds the the wild animals and feeds the uh, cats. And so she's been feeding him every day. And he comes around first thing in the morning, gets his food, and then he sort of uh, roams around the neighborhood and checks out everything else going on. So I get all this information from her, then I start to do the map dousing, so I pull up a map of her area, and I start noticing there, there's a little creek there, and there's a little wooded area in the back of her house, and then there is a subdivision, but I can't narrow down the picture on the map to determine if there was a white house with a porch, and definitely narrow down if there's a little lady. So I asked the animal once again to give me some numbers. Could you give me street number? Could you give me anything that you see as far as numbers? And it gave me a series of numbers. And so I shared that with the lady. Well sure enough, the very next morning, bright and early, the lady says, I think this is the subdivision right behind me. So she leaves her subdivision, circles around that little wooded creek area, goes into the next subdivision, finds a little white house with a porch, looks on the the porch, sees the numbers that are the same numbers the animal gave me. She says, no, this can't be. And as soon as words came out of her mouth, the front door opens, the little old lady sets out food, Her dog comes running from around the side of the house and goes on the front porch to eat. And she goes over and greets her dog and loads him up, and they all live happily ever after.
0: That's incredible. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, you have to be amazed every day
1: at what you do. It's just every single day, it amazes me, The, the things that I go through. Sometimes with lost animals, we get all that information. Sometimes it's a lot more difficult than that.
0: Yeah, it's a challenge.
1: Wow. But but every day I deal, you know, I deal with hmm. uh, an animal that has a behavior problem, an animal that's not eating, an animal that's lost, an animal that's going through a transition. This is my day. The things I've described on your show tonight are basically a typical day for me.
0: Well, tell people how they can get a hold of you. The website, the phone number, all of the above.
1: Yeah, the best way to to find out about me and everything going on and get a hold of me is look at the website, which is wagging-tails, so that's dot scom T-A-L-E-S.com. They'll tell you everything about me, tell you about animal communication, you can sign up for private consultations. There's a wonderful e-newsletter on there, which is a free e-newsletter that we put out every month, which will not only keep you abreast of everything going on with me, But more importantly, it gives you helpful hints and tips that you can implement today to have a better life with your pet. So sign up for the free e-newsletter. And obviously, uh, check out the book, the book Wagging Tails, Every Animal Has a tell. There's some information on the website about that. And, of course, it's available in all major uh, retail stores, and uh, that's your favorite uh, online retailer.
0: Excellent. Tim Link, everyone. What a great show, and what a great talent. Tim, thank you so much for joining us here tonight.
1: It is my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: You bad. Hey, thank you all for tuning in to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And the message that, you know, I want to share with all of you right now tonight is this. Connect with another person. Look into their eyes and see nothing but magnificence. And then take a look in the mirror and do the same. Your life will be changed forever. We'll see you right back here next week, same time with the Dr. Pat Show. Have a great one. Everybody. <laughs>
2: Grown. But you can barely see the ground or touch the sky. Your high horse, still taken off and left to you, nowhere to be found. Well, of a stranger's soul For you never know When it's your last step Final breath Throwing your gypsy dance some curtain call Take your last bow